Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Psalm chapter 22. This is a psalm written by King David, written about a thousand years before Christ. And this psalm is fascinating because you get a good bit of this psalm in Matthew chapter 27. You start to pick up that as Matthew tells the story of the crucifixion, this psalm is running in the background of the narrative. So we get a thousand years before Christ, we get a picture of a crucifixion. We have David who is being executed is what it looks like in the passage. We know the only time David's life was threatened is he was threatened to be stoned one time in the book of 1 Samuel, but nothing like what we read in this passage. This is a lengthy reading, so I'm going to go in and read through it, but what I would like for you to do is listen for images of the crucifixion and say, where have I heard this before? And then how does this describe the crucifixion of Jesus? I'm going to read through this psalm uh, in its entirety. Realize this is a Thanksgiving psalm. This is called a Todah psalm, and this is a psalm that would be read and celebrated at a Thanksgiving offering, uh, what some people call a free will uh, offering, a peace offering, where people would come, and, and because they have been delivered from some type of calamity, they would offer a sacrifice to the Lord, and they would sing a psalm like this one at the worship or at the liturgy of the sacrifice. And so usually with a, a Thanksgiving psalm or a Toda psalm, you have a cycle of there is some type of calamity, there's some type of problem, there's an issue, I cry out to God, God delivers me, and then I celebrate that deliverance with this great thanksgiving ceremony. And you offer up this animal uh, to celebrate the shalom or peace you have with God and you eat in God's presence. So that's what this psalm would have been used for. It was used in the liturgy of the thanksgiving offering. But see if you can pick out the connections to the crucifixion. This is once again Psalm 22, the ESV. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? O my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. Yet you are holy and thrown on the praises of Israel, and you are fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like ravening and roaring lines. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I count all my bones, they stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. 
O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from you, but has heard when you cried to him. For you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who would not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that what he has done. So as you read through this, you are probably uh, saying, okay, I've heard a lot of this before. Uh, this sounds very familiar. In the very first verse, you know you've heard that before. We know in Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think back to Matthew 27, verse 46. This is Jesus on the cross. Jesus, it says, At the ninth hour cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma, sabachthani, that is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One practice that was common in rabbinical Judaism at this time was, if you wanted to make your point, you know, they didn't have chapter and verse divisions like we have today in our Bibles. So these uh, Psalms would have been sectioned off as Psalm 22. There would not have been verses like we have. Uh, of course, it would not be called Psalm 22. It would have another heading. But instead of saying, okay, I'm going to quote a specific verse from this Psalm, you would quote the heading of the Psalm, the very beginning of the Psalm, and those around you would realize, okay, he is referring to that entire psalm. That's what he's pointing us back to. So on the cross, Jesus is crying out in dereliction. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he's also pointing the listeners to this psalm and saying, in essence, hey, this is about me. This entire psalm encapsulates what's happening. I'm going to be put to death. I'm going to have my hands and feet pierced, but I will be victorious. And at some point, I will sing God's praises. I will not be left in the grave. I will be vindicated. So this psalm tells the whole cycle of the crucifixion of Jesus and his vindication through the resurrection. There's another place in Psalm 22, particularly verse 8. It says, He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. And so we have the crowd standing before the cross in Matthew 27, 43, saying this, He trusts in God. Let God deliver him if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Almost word for word, you have in the mouths of the crowd crying out to Jesus in these jeers and and as they make fun of him, the words of Psalm 22, verse 8. And then verse 22, 7, we have the mocking. It says, all who see me, they mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. Then you flip over to Matthew 27, 39, and you hear those who pass by derided him wagging their heads. So you have this wagging of the head. You have this mocking of Jesus as he's on the cross. Then in Psalm twenty-two, eighteen, probably to me one of the most striking parts of this psalm, and I'll tell you why in a second. 
In Psalm 22, verse 18, it says, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Then we flip to Matthew 27, verse 35, and you hear, When they had crucified him, they divided the garments among them by casting lots. People that have researched Romans and their crucifixion practices, you know, as they would assign soldiers to crucifixion detail, it would be a very uh, rough job. It would be a difficult job watching someone go through uh, what a crucifixion entailed. But then you would have to sit with the, the victim, and sometimes it would take days for people to die. You would have to sit with the victim. And so part of the thing that the Romans would do, or one thing they would do for, for the soldiers that were assigned to this detail, is they're able to divide up the belongings of the victim. So this is a practice the Romans did. Now, how in the world would David had known that a thousand years before Christ would come? I mean, it's just mind-boggling to consider. You have David saying in Psalm 22 that this group of, of dogs have surrounded me. They've encircled me. Dogs would be Gentiles. They have encompassed me. Think of if you're going to crucify someone, you'd have soldiers circling the victim as they lay them on the cross. Then they pierce his hands and his feet. Now, what is David talking about? When was David's hands and feet pierced? This is a vivid description of a Roman crucifixion. And what I mean by that is you have this person exposed for all to look at, for all to see and gawk at. That was part of crucifixion. You would nail their hands and their feet. Now, we know it could have been the wrist, but when you start looking at the idea in the Greek of the New Testament, the, the wrist and hand is encompassed with one Greek term in particular, but they, they are nailed to the cross, probably through their wrist and through their feet. And you would have these people that would uh, gamble for the belongings of this victim. And so this is a practice of the Romans. So it's amazing. How would David know all this? This is mind-blowing when you think about it. And here's a detail we're going to talk about in my sermon Sunday. In verse 15 of Psalm 22, it says that his tongue cleaves to his jaw. Now, I'm just throwing this out here, but it sounds like someone that is dehydrated. What we called, when I was a kid, cotton mouth. When you felt like you uh, just wanted to drink a water, your mouth was so dry. So Jesus, through the loss of, of fluid and shock, has cotton mouth on the cross. And in John 19, he cries out, I thirst. He is thirsty on the cross. So we have another connection with the crucifixion of Jesus in Psalm 22. In Acts 2.30, we're told that David was a prophet that foresaw the coming of Jesus. And I present to you, as people in the coming days start to think about the crucifixion of Jesus and think about his resurrection, I present to you Psalm 22 as a beautiful picture of the suffering of Jesus, but also his vindication through the resurrection. And as you read this, I, I pray that you marvel at the connection to the New Testament. As you see David prophesying, almost word for word, what the crucifixion of Jesus looked like and was like a thousand years before Jesus ever walked this earth, and even before crucifixion existed. We know the Phoenicians started crucifying people. We know the Romans uh they made crucifixion a science. Now, they took it and made it even better. So crucifixion, as we know it, did not exist in the time of David, at least as far as we know. So David's describing a practice that doesn't even exist. Then he gives us a description of a Roman crucifixion with a casting of lots. So amazing to me. Amazing. We shouldn't be amazed because we know 
Scripture is inspired. Well, we're out of time today for this particular podcast, but we jump back into the Gospel of John tomorrow. And I would love to see you back as we delve back into that wonderful gospel. I hope you have a great day and God bless.